This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Alrighty then, welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Brian Contino here with Joe Duffy. It's been a long time coming, Joe. What's going on? Not much, man. Just enjoying a hell of a month of baseball. That's one of the best first months I can remember in, you know, quite a few years. I would definitely say in, in recent memory, it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty awesome so far to start the year. The parity is always great in baseball because, especially early in the season, you know any given day anyone can win. And it's not something you get in every other sport. You know, we're kind of seeing it in the NHL playoffs right now, but something consistent in baseball, which is always fun. Yeah, it's it's always fun seeing some teams uh, get off to some hot starts, beat some good teams. Um, one of those teams actually being a team we're going to talk about right now, the the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they snuck a couple wins against the Yankees. Um, I can't remember uh, another team that they actually played well against, but um, <laughs> I know they played well against the Yankees to start the year, and uh, that's actually a factor in why the Yankees aren't in, you know, top three teams in in my opinion anyway um but what can we what can you say about the orioles are they literally the worst team we've the 2019 orioles are they the worst team we've ever seen <laughs> yeah it's i don't even think it's a, it's hard to beat the 2018 orioles that's the thing that's real rough about this like you were coming into this year as a fan you had to be like all right well at least it can't get worse than last year and now you're sitting here going oh, i don't know it might get worse um the beginning of the month of April, it looked like, hey, by the end of the month, they might pass their season win total. But, I mean, that pitching is about as poor as you could possibly imagine. It's atrocious, up and down. Yeah. Um, to, for some numbers for their pitching, I mean, uh, we've already discussed this. It's been discussed around MLB. They're letting up home runs at a, you know, an insane rate. They've allowed 73 home runs in a mere uh, 30 games played. I don't even know how you do that. I just don't even understand it. I mean, 23 how, to the Twins. Yeah, 23 to the Twins. I mean, how do you feel as like like a catcher? That has to be the toughest catching job in the world. Like like I mean, you have to watch 73 home runs come from right in front of your eyes <laughs> to start the year in 30 baseball games. Like I think they allowed 8 in one game to the Twins or it was either 8 or 6. They allowed in one game to the Twins. I mean, imagine catching that game and just literally wanting to crawl up in a ball and just die. Yeah, not only watching the home runs fly out, it's like even if you're trying to help these guys and call a good game and, you know, be smart behind the plate, you know, try to call pitches that aren't going to get hit. Like, I mean, following the scouting report, doing your due diligence, nothing's helping because these pitchers are just – they're grooving pitches over the plate. They're hanging pitches. They're missing spots. Nothing has gone right. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's been bad. Um, I mean, they have a 6.05 ERA, which is the worst in baseball. Like, we just touched on the home runs. Easily the worst in baseball. I mean, there's no one even close. Uh, I think the Cardinals have allowed 53 home runs. But to put it in perspective, their ERA is 4.22. So, uh, you know, they have a little cushion there. But to be 20 home runs above the the next team that's that's a that's a problem and if i'm not mistaken they had through april last year they had allowed 50 home runs which was at that time the most in the mlb last year so i mean at least they're keeping the streak alive but to to go 20 over when you were that bad last year and obviously we knew coming in it's a rebuild they're not throwing out the best product on the field every day that's fine but at least try and be competitive early, you know. Um, Andrew Kashner, as your ace, is just not going to cut it. I'm sorry. I mean, even if you're trying to lose games, that's just not a product anyone's going to be able to get behind. I mean, it's it's got to be tough going to Orioles games, man. Like, I don't know how they get at like anyone to go to the ballpark. I mean, you you live out there. Do you know anyone going? No, I mean, I I really don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, my dad's a gigantic Orioles fan. You know this. And he was asking me to go for a series during the summer with him. I was like, dude, I mean, do you really want to do that? <laughs> could go like, hey, we could go anywhere else. I mean, the, it would the, be more enjoyable. I mean, the ballpark's still beautiful. 
tickets are cheap. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I can. Don't get me wrong. I'll always indulge in a baseball game. But, I mean, you know, we could we could head down to Philly or, you know, somewhere else, anywhere else. <laughs> D.C., uh, whatever. Yeah, well, anyway, um, another, another – no other pitching. They have a, a 1.53 whip, which actually is not the worst. Uh, the Rangers have – they're a .03 higher than that, but still an, an atrocious number. Yeah, and luckily the Rangers' offense has been out of control to start the season. They've been exceeding expectations, so at least no, their pitching hasn't been there, but at least they're competing because of the offense. The Orioles just have nothing to give you. Um, they're 18th overall in like total offense right now, but a lot of that can be attributed to what went on early in the season when they played the Yankees. The fall off has been drastic since then. It's just, I, I don't, it's going to be, I'm hard pressed to see them winning more than 40, 35, 40 games. Uh, I I think I'm going to give them at least 45, but I mean, I'm looking at their run differential at negative 64. And that is really hard to overcome. I mean, it doesn't matter, like, who you bring up, you know, who, whatever it is, like, what kind of streak you go on. I mean, negative 64 run differential is – I think it's literally impossible to come back from to, to win, like, 30, 30 or 40 more games. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insurmountable. There's no way. Um, minus 64 is just an outrageous number. And, look, going forward, I'm just – as a gambling man, to give some advice, just bet the run line against the Orioles every game for the rest of the season, and it's a pretty good shot you're going to make a good amount of money. I, I would have to agree. Um, and what's what's another another scary thing about it, and I guess we just touched upon it, they're 3-10 and 10 at home, which is like, I mean, come on. Win, win, win a game for your fans, please. It's, it's just atrocious. Yeah, I mean, that ballpark, look, the 70 home runs, that ballpark, they, they kind of translate together. I mean, that ballpark is a hitter's ballpark for sure. And when they have those, when they're throwing those arms out there, I mean, the ball's just going to start flying and not in their favor. Yeah, of course. Um, so let, let's, let's, let's uh, dish the Orioles. Hopefully we never have to bring them up again. Yeah, maybe, they... I wish we had relegation. That we could get rid of them for a couple of years. Oh, kind of. We should do like what the Premier League does, and just like drop, drop them, uh, pick up a Triple A AAA team, preferably the Durham Bulls. I think the Durham Bulls could actually uh, play well against the Baltimore Orioles. I I think they'd spank the Orioles. I don't even think it'd be competition. <laughs> I think they should do that. That'd be fun, actually. Um, yeah, I'd be willing to watch. I mean, Leicester, Leicester City uh, in the Premier League did it. You know, went from not being in the league to in the league to winning it. So who knows? Right. We we all know Bama would have beat the Browns two years ago. Ooh, I don't know about that, but no, nah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to a brighter spot. Uh, one of the brightest spots in all of MLB, maybe in the last couple of years. Um, Vlad Jr. finally makes his debut. Uh, what do you, what did you think about it? Uh, is it good for the game? Obviously, I mean it's good for the game. But what are your thoughts on Vlad Jr. coming up? making a start and uh, being a part of the Blue Jays team. Um, it's about time. Like we said last time when we spoke, um, we've been waiting for this for a while and it's kind of been a trend in baseball recently where now we're seeing those younger players come up early with Tatis and Eloy Jimenez, Pete Alonso. So it's great that Vlad came up because he's the most notable of all of them. He's been the guy that uh, baseball pundits fans have been talking about for a couple of years now. And for him to come up, look, the Blue Jays aren't good, but they became must-watch TV the second he came up. And uh, Friday night in his debut, to come up clutch like that uh, on your home, in your home ballpark, I mean, it couldn't have been a better start for the kid. And now you got eyes everywhere that want to tune in to watch him play. It couldn't be better for the game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I literally stayed up and, and watched Angels-Blue Jays last night because of Vlad Jr., um, I mean, he hasn't gotten off to the greatest possible start that he could have, but he had a couple nice hits. Uh, I think he's had a, a double and a couple singles. Um, has not hit the long ball yet or had an RBI or scored a run. But, I mean, those are those are things that are going to come. Um, he made a web gem of a play last night. So he's, he's good defensively. Uh, he plays hard. Um, we know he's going to strike out. I mean, that's just the given. Um, I mean, you knew his father when he played in the league, he struck out a good amount, but he was also a very good bad ball hitter. And I think Vlad Jr. is a very similar player 
Um, so I think we're going to see great things from him. And I mean, he's only 20 years old. Like th- this is the start of something great right now for the Blue Jays. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, I think as a hitter, he's he about mirrors his dad. The swing is so similar. Um, the pitches they're able to hit that no one else can hit. Um, and yeah, he's going to strike out a lot, but you know what, you already knew what you were getting. And when, you, when we're talking about power hitters in the middle of the lineup, most of them in the league strike out a bit anyway. Um, but yeah, you alluded to that web gem last night and look, I, I had seen him play quite a bit before this, but I didn't really know, um, he was that good with the glove. Uh, he's crafty out there, man. He's slick. He's quicker than you'd think for his size. He's got a hell of an arm, just like his dad did. And, you know, I love, I follow him on Instagram. I love that he's kind of under Freddie Galvis's wing right now. Uh, there's about no better fielder in the game that you could start learning from at a young age. So I, I not only love the kids, like his game in general, but his approach to baseball is just, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I, I saw some, uh, you know, pages out there alluding to him like, oh, he's he's already having fun, like going to the Raptors game or whatever it is. Like, he's a freaking kid. He's going to go to the Raptors game if he wants to. Um, he's still focused on baseball completely. I don't think that's ever going to leave his mind for the entirety of his career. I think he's basically just like, just like his dad. He's going to come out every single game, try to ball out, um, help his team win, whether it's with his arm, with his bat. Um, so I think Vlad Jr. is just – he's going to be an extremely great player. Um, and it's great for the game. Him, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, unfortunately, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, just landed on the IL with a hamstring injury. Um, but, I mean, these young players, uh, Pete Alonso, I mean, they're going to help the game insurmountably, and it's, it's, it's great for baseball. Yeah, ba- baseball's all of a sudden turned into the young man's game. Uh, it wasn't that way for a long time. The We saw, even till recently, we were seeing, you know, mid-30s veterans getting these pretty big free agent deals. And now teams are more willing to go with the youth, play the younger kids, and see what they have. So it's definitely great for the game. Um, and look, yeah, like, like you alluded to, Fernando Tatis Jr. was another one who's been, he's been electric all year. Um, to me, one of the, 15 20 best players in the game so far uh to start the season so unfortunate he's on the il but he's another star in the making right there too yeah i i think he'll be on the il for he's on the il 10 but i think he might, he might have a couple rounds of it but i mean he's he's one hell of a player i got to watch him in person about 17 rows back uh on sunday against the nationals i actually saw him get injured um but i mean one electric player, like <laughs> just, just the way he plays the game is just so hard and with so much swagger and, and talent at the same time, it, it's, it's incredible to watch. And I think Fly Jr. does the same thing. Eloy Jimenez, same thing. Pete Alonso, same thing. So these kids are coming up, coming up strong and uh, it's great for baseball. Um, let's move on to the actual most, I guess, electric players in baseball for us our uh, sneaky plays pitchers and players of the month. Um, why don't you kick us off with your NL player of the month? Um, yeah, I will do that. But I got to say, it's probably pretty predictable. Um, Cody Bellinger is the NL player of the month, and there's just no other way to put it. Um, we, when we, we spoke early in the season, I had said to you, I I thought that Bellinger could keep the home run numbers up, but I didn't think he'd be able to sustain uh, the average, the on-base percentage throughout the course of April. And boy, did he make me look stupid. The dude's got a 427, 500, 913 slash. I mean, that's one of, if not the best month of April ever, it's one of them. Um, 14 home runs, 36 RBIs. The kid's got a 3-3 war. I mean... He was a kid who slumped last year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He had a great look, rookie year, but he he fell a little bit. He fell off a little bit last year. And then, um, you know, I thought uh, Dave Schoenfeld of ESPN put it perfectly this week. He said he's become one of the elite power hitters in the game, and he doesn't strike out anymore. He's one of the toughest to strike out. And a player that young doing that, I mean, Cody Ballinger is becoming one of the five best players in the game. Oh, easily. And – I mean, I, I pretty much agreed with you when we were discussing Cody Bellinger. I was like, 
I'm not sure that it's sustainable. Like he's, he's going to get out. He's going to strike out a little bit more. Uh, lefties are going to challenge him a little bit more, but he, I literally have not seen him struggle at the plate in every single bat that I've watched him uh, this season. I've yet to see him struggle. His numbers are insane. Um, I mean, he's obviously my, my NL player of the month so far. Um, I mean, 37 ribbies, 14, 14 dingers, five stolen bases, even, um, I mean, a 1.397 OPS is just absolutely absurd <laughs> in, in any uh, sample size. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, and, yeah, like you touched on the 3.3 war. Like, this this guy is unbelievable right now. Um, easily the best player in baseball to start the season. Yeah, and easily the most valuable player in baseball to start the season. Like, if we were talking, you know, if we wanted to have MVP talk early on, easily him look at what the Dodgers are doing behind him now they're out to an extremely hot start best record in the game and I'm not saying it's all predicated on the bat of Cody Bellinger but it it for sure has a lot to do with it oh absolutely yeah coming off the heels of what was a down year to turn it around at a young age and you know be putting up these numbers all the props in the world to him man he he's going to be something for a long time coming yeah the the numbers that really stand out to me I mean like, like I just touched upon his OPS is incredible, but 19 walks to only 15 strikeouts. And like we touched upon earlier in, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were like, I think those numbers are going to, you know, go up and down to, to the different way. And I mean, I, I don't really see it coming. I, I think he might end up with more walks than strikeouts, which would just simply be incredible for him and for the Dodgers in general, because the more he's on base, I mean, and the more he's hitting, I mean, they might be they could be an unstoppable force in, in the in, in the NL in the MLB in general. He he very much seems like he's on the he's not quite there yet, but he's on that trajectory to start getting pitched like Bryce Harper got pitched when he really came into his own. Um, which means if he's going to get pitched like that, he's going to work a lot of walks. So I completely agree with you. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen, but it's definitely possible. And look. To hit 427 all the way through the month of April, like you alluded to the OPS, I mean, we could talk about how the numbers aren't sustainable over the course of 162, and that's fine. But to, you know, just reflecting on this month, nothing short of unbelievable. Uh, I mean, 31 games is a significant amount of baseball games. Yeah, no, I I agree. The sample size isn't like – it's not like he played one series over the weekend. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think – I mean, the average, it's going to go down into the 300s, but I don't I mean, think it has to. I don't think it's going to go, go below 300. I really don't. No, I think, no, I don't either. It's, I, it's too high right now. Yeah, no, we're too deep into the season for me to believe that he's going to drop over 127 points. I mean, th- there's just no way. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, so what's, uh, like, I guess an honorable mention NL player of the year, which is tough to have because Bellinger's numbers are just super outrageous. Yeah. I mean, we got, we got to talk about the reigning MVP and Christian Yelich. Um, If not for Cody Bellinger. And I mean, look, Christian Yelich is still getting a lot of publicity and people are talking about him. And, but the the fact of the matter is Cody Bellinger is just kind of overshadowing him with outrageous numbers right now. But Yelich also 14 home runs his team in a position where they're not in first place in their division, but they're going to be competing. Um, he's been electric from start from the start. Um, so yeah, le- legitimately any other, any other month, any other, whatever Christian Yelich, we're looking at the NL player of the month, but Cody Bellinger just didn't allow it. Yeah. I, I mean, it does unbeatable numbers right now. Um, but yeah, Yelich has been great. I mean, 14 home runs, 34 RBIs, it's basically the same as, as Ballinger. The average is slightly less, but I mean, that's understandable. He's got 20 walks to 20 strikeouts. So a one-to-one ratio. Um, I mean, he does have 11 less hits, but it's also seven less at bats. So, um, I mean, Yelich has been playing great. He's, he's going to be in the MVP race again, like we've touched on earlier. Um, a player that's really stood out to me though, is, is Jeff McNeil, man. Kids raking. Kid plays defense too, man. Um, and he plays defense everywhere. Um, I watched him in person against the Phillies and that third base. I mean, he was just, he's fantastic in the field and the bat is not slowing down from last year. He, that guy's going to hit for a high average every year, man. 
Yeah, I'm not sure the total amount of games he's played uh, as a Met, but I think um, he's it's like in the 40s or something. But he's had 33 multiple multi-hit games in his career so far. Um, I mean, that's dating back to last season, but he didn't play that much last season. So uh, to me, that's an incredible stat. Yeah, and I kind of think this is another case of a ballpark kind of fitting a hitter. Um City Field's gigantic. There's a lot of outfield, and Jeff McNeil can spray the ball all over the field. Um, he's got quick hands. He can get inside on the ball. He knows how to use his hands and to stay back and hit the ball the other way. Um, the kid, He's a really good player, man. And, look, we talked about before the season, I thought the Mets were going to trade him because of all the guys they brought in and not really maybe being able to find a place on the field for him. Well, I mean – on any given night, you could stick Jeff McNeil in right field and then the next day at first base and then at third base. And he could play every day just playing different positions. So fantastic player for the Mets coming off the bench. Oh, yeah. He's he's the absolute definition of, of a blue-collar player. Um, I mean, can just literally play anywhere. Um, I mean, he's good. He's good in the outfield as he is in the infield. Like, it's, it's actually insane to watch. Um, I wish his power numbers were a little bit more there, but, I mean – 37 hits in, in 28 games. You, you really can't complain. No, you definitely can't. And like I said, I think the power numbers would show up more if he played in a different ballpark. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, you're going to find production in City Field if you drive the gaps, and he, that's what he's doing. He's still finding ways to produce runs, get on base, um, and do what he's got to do for the team. So, look, he might not be putting the ball over the fence, but he's doing everything he can. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's move on to the flip side of the NL, to the pitchers. Um, who do you got for NL pitcher of the month? So I got maybe a little bit of a surprise, not much, but Joe Musgrove of the Pirates. Um, Musgrove's a guy who's 26 now, and I think for me, just watching him, he's really finally put it all together. Um, through the first month of the year, 206 ERA, .91 whip. And the the thing that really stands out to me is the strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's got 31 strikeouts to seven walks. Um, in his five games started, he's averaged over six innings pitched. Um, the guy's just been fantastic, man. Um, the Pirate Look, I know the Pirates wish they had another pitcher back there in that rotation, but with him and Ty on at the top, um, they look like they got something built, a foundation built for the future. And um, – this guy's slider has just been electric to start the season, and it hasn't always been consistent. It hasn't always had this kind of movement. It's been a pitch that he's been able to really put into his repertoire that's getting outs for him. Um, I, Musgrove's my pitcher of the month, and I honestly think it, it might get better from here. Yeah, um, Musgrove's been great. Uh, I mean, he's got a 2.06 ERA. He looks really good. Like, you touched upon his slider. It's That's a nasty pitch. Um I mean, he's going to help the Pirates. Uh, the Pirates have been struggling as of late, which is kind of sad to see because they started off pretty well. And we thought, oh, maybe they could be in the mix for the NL Central as well. Um, but uh, just their 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 hitting is not going to be sustainable for the whole year, um, as we see already. Uh, the starting pitching has been good. He's been a big, big part of that. So, um, I mean, he, he's Musgrove has definitely been great this season. Uh, a guy I want to highlight for my NL Pitcher of the Month is Luis Castillo. I mean, his numbers just jump off the page to me uh, with a 1.45 ERA and 43.1 innings pitched. Um, the innings pitched is something that I, I looked at a lot just because, I mean, they, they, they're they eating innings. Um, they're doing what's best for their, their ball club, uh, essentially. Um, so 43.1 innings so far. In six in seven starts, that's 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 pretty damn good. Um, he's got fifty strikeouts to only seventeen walks. <laughs> I mean, just insane strikeout to to walk ratio, point uh, nine nine whip, and a and a one point seven seven average against. Um, his stuff is electric. He throws hard. He's got bite on his pitches. Uh, he's just been exciting to watch so far. And one of the the lone bright spots for the Reds, who are actually starting to play a little bit better. Yeah, they are st- finally starting to put it together. And he's an, he kind of came, I, I don't want to say under the radar, because, you know, I, I've, I've 
known about Luis Castillo for a few years now, I'm sure. I mean, we all have if you're a baseball fan. The thing is, like, the stuff has been there. It's just it hasn't all come together. And I'm going to talk about a guy in a little bit who's kind of in a similar situation. But now that he's kind of put the pitching together to match the stuff, he's been electric. And, yeah, I agree with you totally. With the innings pitched, um, to see those numbers that he's put up, it's – you can't sit here and say that they're not sustainable numbers because he's done it over a pretty large sample size. You know, the seven starts, the teams he's pitching against, what he's doing, I mean, he looks like a Cy Young candidate early. It's not that just the numbers allude to it. When you watch him pitch, he looks like it. He looks the part. Um, So, yeah, I mean, great pick on your part. I completely agree with you. He's been nothing but electric. Yeah, he's one of those pitchers where you don't exactly just need to look at numbers. You just need to watch him pitch. And you need to see, like, his mentality day in and day out. I mean, and those are those are some things that numbers don't really see. It's like, is he confident in his pitches? Um, when is he throwing this pitch? And how does it look? Um, you know, how does he throw with runners on base? And, how, like, you can see all of these things. And I think that's that's some stuff where uh, we're, we're losing as part of baseball. I think there's just guys that just look at stat casts and computers all day, and they're they're missing out on some of the most electric stuff in baseball. Like, just watching Luis Castillo pitch is a treasure uh, to me. I, I agree, and I, I love a pitcher who's willing to challenge hitters, who's not constantly trying to work around the plate because he's scared of giving up a home run. Luis Castillo challenges every single hitter he faces. Um, he's well, He'll work ahead in the count for a lot of the game because he does not care about his fastball getting hit because he knows if he's throwing his pitches the way he should be, he's probably going to get you out if you make contact. So that guy, just watching him challenge hitters, that's what makes it fun for me. Um, the stuff is obviously electric, and that's always great to watch. But, you know, rather than watching a chess match, just kind of watching a battle with a hitter, that's what he brings, that mentality on the mound. So, yeah, I – that kid, he's he's fantastic, and he uh, look. I think he'll be a candidate all year for that NL Cy Young. Well, I I sure hope so. Um, it'd be great to see another another pitcher coming out of basically the woodworks technically, and just being up in the Cy Young race. We saw that last year with Aaron Nola and and Blake Snell, who obviously won the Cy Young. Um, guys just making a significant turnaround, being mentally prepared each and every outing, and just knowing that they're better than their opponent, which there's nothing better in baseball to me is seeing a pitcher who's just extremely confident in their stuff and going in every five days and just putting in the work and being an absolute baller. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. This dude is just strutting on people right now. He does not care who's at bat. He's strutting all over everyone. Absolutely. Swag. I love it. Absolutely. Um, Let's move over to the AL. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I apologize. Um, any other pitchers or uh, any other pitchers in the NL that have stood out to you um, as far as an honorable mention uh, for pitcher of the month? Uh, yeah, pa- I think Patrick Corbin has had a better start than most are kind of giving him credit for in D.C. Um, the Nationals record kind of overshadows what he's been able to do in his starts. Um, he's a guy that's lived up to the money so far. The team hasn't lived up to the billing. But I think Corbin's been overshadowed by the Nationals' mishaps early on. So he's a guy that, look, we knew he was going to get a huge contract. We knew he's a high-end starter, if not an ace, for a team like D.C. with Strasburg there. So, uh, yeah, Corbin's Corbin's my guy. If, uh, if I didn't go Musgrove, I might have gone Corbin. Uh, I love watching Corbin pitch. I think he's just the def- little definition of a pitcher. Um, just knows when to throw his stuff. He's not going to really extremely overpower you, but like his his uh, low nineties fastball just like looks ninety eight after he throws those break that breaking pitch, and I mean the Nationals pitching starting pitching has been really good, um, <laughs> fantastic. It's been it's been awesome. Three out of the top five uh, strikeout getters are uh, Nationals pitchers: Scherzer, Strauss, Corbin. I mean that's just incredible. I don't know how they yeah. they only have 12 wins. 
I'm in a roto league with uh, Corbin and Strasburg at the top of my rotation, so I've been thriving early. Oh, I I, I bet. Um, <laughs> not to mention Musgrove and Morton, and yeah, that's a good team right there. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's move on to the AL. Um, we'll start with hitting. Uh, who do you got? So another one I went kind of under the radar, and this is more because battling injuries the last few years and. His team's pitching has been so bad that the offense has had to carry the team to a 500 record. And that the guy for me is Elvis Andrus, um, a 365-426-596 slash. Um, the guy's hit five home runs, 20 RBIs, and scored 18 runs already this year. And he's got five stolen bases, which matches his number from last year. Um, look, I'm fully aware that this isn't a sustainable start for Elvis Andrus. He's not that kind of player in terms of the power and RBI numbers. Um, the stolen bases, while it's been – the numbers are great early, they're not going to continue at that rate. But just looking at the month of April, the guy's been fantastic. He's got a good glove in the field. Um, two years ago, he had his best season at the plate, and then last year riddled by injury a bit. Now he's back, and he looks like he's back in that form. So happy to see Elvis Andrus back to – looking like an all-star caliber player and yeah, he's my AL player of the month. Um, you're going to hate me, but he's also my AL player. Of the month. <laughs> uh, of course he is. Uh, the one thing we didn't discuss prior to this podcast was, uh, having a same AL hitter. Um, anyway, yeah, Incredible. I mean, he's, I mean, he's been great. And like you touched upon the Texas Rangers pitching has been just absolutely brutal. Um, it's, it is a tough ballpark to pitch in down in Arlington, but, um, I mean, Elvis Andrews has been great offensively and defensively. He's in his age 30 season. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, I mean, he's hitting great, 361 like you touched upon, five dingers. Um, I think his home run numbers are going to, you know, plateau. I mean, he's not going to hit a bunch of home runs. We know this. But um, he's going to steal some bases, and he is going to hit some doubles and get some RBIs. So I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, just stay a little bit hot at least. Um being a great hitting shortstop which is still tough in this league, I feel. Um, you don't really see it that often. But this year we're seeing a couple shortstops um, like him and Tim Anderson, uh, Jorge Polanco, play really well. So it's, it's good to see shortstops hit and field well. Um, Andrews only has one error all year. Uh, he's been great defensively throughout his career. I believe he's a 9-7-3 uh, um, career fielding percentage. So – I mean, yeah, he's still make a couple hours here and there, but I mean, he's electric defensively, and right now he's he's electric offensively, so it's great for the game. Um, I mean, he strikes out a little bit, which is which is kind of annoying, but I mean, he, he's doing just fine uh, in my opinion, and he's helping the the Rangers stay afloat at least um, in the AL West. Yeah, they're hanging around at five hundred, um, and look, the strikeouts are there, but I mean the rain. The Rangers seem to not really care about strikeouts in their lineup if you look at it up and down with, like, Gallo, Mazzara, guys that K up anyway. So I think Andrews just kind of fits the bill they're trying to – or fits the mold they're trying to create there. But, yeah, I, I agree. He's he's a guy that will shoot the gaps like we talked about with McNeil before. He can use the whole field. He's got quick hands. Um, the power is not going to be there all year, but he'll still hit you know, 14, 15, 16 home runs, somewhere in that range. So, look, I love what he's done early, and I, I love what the Rangers have done early offensively. Um, aside from Mike Miner, the pitching has been atrocious, but they're showing everyone that offensively they're going to be able to hang in with any team in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Yeah, we just hope uh, Elvis Andrews can, can stay uh, consistent throughout the season and uh, hopefully makes an all-star game this year. Um any uh, other hitters from the AL that uh, caught your eye as player of the month? Yeah, one that – so, you know, the Twins have been talked about a lot because, I mean, let's face it, they they play great baseball and they have an extremely talented lineup up and down. And Jorge Polanco is a guy you talked about. Nelson Cruz is in that lineup. But I still feel like Eddie Rosario gets overlooked on that team. Uh, had an 11 home run month, 24 RBIs, just – a good outfielder, solid everyday player. Eddie Rosario is just one of those perfect guys in the middle of the lineup. So I think he got overlooked again. So a little shout out there to Eddie Rosario. 
Yeah, I would have to agree. Eddie Rosario is 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 a great hitter. Um, his numbers are going to keep going up, I believe, and I think he's going to take over where Polanco is as far as the hitting rankings go throughout the AL um, and for his team in general. So, um, I mean, the Twins are freaking exciting, man. It's it's good that they can hit. Um, like we touched on earlier, they have 23 home runs against the Orioles uh, alone. So, um, while they won't play the Orioles every series of the season – I still think they're going to hit a bunch of home runs, uh, a bunch of extra base hits, and, uh, yeah, find some gaps and, and win some ball games. Um, uh, I mean, a, the player that just stands out to me is Hunter Dozier, man, for the Kansas City yeah. Royals, dude. He is – he's actually something special. Um, I've had the privilege to watch them play a couple series against the Rays so far, and, I mean, he just looks like a, a big league hitter. We we talked about him before the season started when we looked into the Royals and you know I was I was obviously more I was higher on them than you but Hunter Dozier wasn't really the reason why um, yeah this guy's just every time I watch them play he kind of surprises me I didn't expect him I always expected that he'd eventually be an everyday big leaguer but I didn't think he'd be putting up these kind of numbers and. Not just putting up the numbers, but the the way he he just looks so comfortable out there. So yeah, I I completely agree with you. He's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean he has a one point one three three OPS. I mean that's that's not easy to do. <laughs> it, it, you know. No, no, Cody Bellinger's barely doing it. Exactly. So um, I mean, great stuff. Uh, hopefully the Royals can win a couple more games, but um, they're not looking great. Come on, Wit, figure it out. Wit Merrifield needs to figure it out. Um, Anyway, let's move on to pitching for the AL. Uh, for me, uh, I have Justin Verlander. Um, I know his ERA is not at the top, but like I touched upon earlier with Castillo, the innings pitched really caught my eye with 44 so far this year. So obviously he's eating innings, doing what's good for his team, um, not letting the bullpen come in early for him. And then the .86 whip is just absurd. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and um, yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I have for him because the point eight six whip is just is crazy. I think he's going to keep it under one all year, which would be impressive. Um, I mean, he's allowed the long ball seven times this year. We we know he's going to let up the long ball, and then average against is one seventy one, which is fantastic. And he's only allowed eleven walks all season. So Justin Verlander for me, um, just like Castillo, but obviously a, a more more seasoned veteran. Um, just goes out and knows his stuff is better than you. He's going to attack hitters. Um, he's not going to shy away from anybody at the plate. So, Justin Verlander for me. Honestly, after the .86 whip, you could have just mic dropped, and I would have respected it. Um, but Verlander's outrageous, man. He's gotten better with age, um, which is hard to believe because of how good he was early in his career. Um, it's hard to believe he even had that two-season lull where – he kind of looked like he might be on the way out um, to turn it around the way he has. And now to arguably be the best pitcher in the game again, it's, the guy's incredible. Um, and yeah, like you said, the numbers, the home run numbers are what they are. I mean, look, he, he gets hit sometimes. The ball flies out of the park. It is what it is. But all the other numbers tell you he's still not letting up runs when he's starting the game. So Verlander's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, uh, so I was kind of shocked. I got my AL pitcher of the month is your guy, who I for sure thought you would be choosing, but I got Tyler Glass now. And this was a guy who you kind of knew for a while the stuff was there and the stuff is phenomenal, but he never really put it together in terms of like being a pitcher's pitcher, knowing how to pitch. And I feel like through the first month of April this year, Class now is showing the maturity on the mound and really putting it all together. Um, 0.94 whip, 175 ERA, 38 strikeouts already. The guy's been – every time he goes out there, I really believe that the game is over before it starts. The He's been phenomenal early. He made the Red Sox look silly this past weekend. So I, I think Glasnow has not only been the best pitcher in the AL so far, but – I've been more impressed with him than any other pitcher in the game so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to be a homer and, and pick Tyler Glass now, but, uh, I mean, he's just – he's so fun to watch. He Honestly, he might be more fun to watch than Blake Snell, and I hate yeah. to say it. 
No, I, I'm with you, dude. It's he's like I said, he's just kind of now he's the whole package. You were just kind of waiting for it to to see if it would come to fruition. All the pieces were there. It was just a matter of him putting it all together. And through the first month, it looks like he put it all together. And if he did put it all together, the Rays have three Cy Young candidates in their rotation. I know. Absolutely insane. Um, I mean, we touched on this literally last July when they made this trade for Glass now, and we literally were both like, the Rays just stole Glass stole. now and Meadows. Just yep. literal steal of these guys because, I mean, Glass now has always had great stuff, and the Pirates kind of just like, eh, he's, he's, he's fine. We'll, we'll trade him for Archer. It's like the, the comparison between Archer and Glass now is Glass now significantly better than Archer, plus they gave the Rays Meadows, who is a top-of-the-order guy for majority of the teams in, in the major leagues. So, I'm not sure what the Pirates were doing, but uh, thank you because Tyler Glass now is phenomenal. That I mean, the second that trade happened last year, we couldn't believe it. Jaws were on the floor. It made no sense because the upside of both of those players and Glass now and Meadows was through the roof. And from a pitching perspective, Glass now had all the ability to be way better than Archer ever was. Because let's face it, Archer's a strikeout guy. That's what he is. Um, in terms of being a pitcher's pitcher, he's he's not necessarily one of over even over those last few years when he was at the at the top of the heap in the AL. He's not a guy I'd consider one of the best pitchers in the game. Tyler Glasnow is the exact opposite. He's a guy that I'm already considering one of the top pitchers in the game. And then Austin Meadows on top of it. I mean, come on, what <laughs> what was the scouting department in Pittsburgh doing? I really don't know. I have no idea. I mean, or like the player development, the part, whatever, whoever you want to put on. I mean, just atrocious move by them. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, before we move on to our power rankings real quick, a uh, couple of pitchers that have, you know, been great. Marcus Stroman. Um, I mean, Trevor Bowers, just his strikeouts have been coming at a crazy rate. Um, Turnbull for the, the Detroit Tigers has actually been somewhat impressive. Yeah, I know. I watched last night. You watched the Tigers last night. They played the Phillies. Ah. Turnbull, one run. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, anyway. He's, Bryce, he's... Harper, Bryce Harper's K-ing up left and right. I'm going to start booing in the living room soon. Oh, man. Well, any... I'm going to join I'm gonna join the brigade. Anyway, he's he's been impressive, as has uh, Domingo Herman for the Yankees. Um, keeping the Yankees afloat. Uh, right now with his, his great pitching. He's got a two five six ERA with a .85 whip in 31 innings. So, Dude, good stuff. D- Domingo Herman, I uh, I spot-started him in a fantasy league early in the year, got a great outing from him, and wasn't sure if I should keep him or not because the fact was CC was coming back. You know, Seve's eventually going to be back. He didn't know how much action he was going to get. Well, now I can't get him back on my team, and I'm real upset about it. Well, that guy's been—he's been phenomenal, man. And I don't think he's leaving that rotation at this at this rate. No, I don't think so either. Um, anyway, all right. So we covered our our players in the month uh, of April. Had a nice little April recap. Let's continue that April recap um, with our power rankings, our top ten power rankings for the month of April. Um, we'll start with you. We'll start with number ten. Who you got? All right, and at number 10, I got the Seattle Mariners. Um, hot start, first in run scored in the league, first in home runs. The offense has kept it up for the most part throughout the month. So even though they've, you know, act, they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit, I still think they're deserving of a top 10 spot throughout the first month. I agree. I also have them in my top 10. But coming in at 10, I have, I think, what's a shocker, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, closing out the month of April very strong. And they have a plus-22 run differential, which is something that I really keyed on um, for my top 10. Um, and I think they're playing great baseball. Um, do I think they'll fall off a little bit? Yes. But we're not talking about falling off for the rest of the season. We're talking about how they finished and played in April, and I think they play great baseball in April. I agree with you, man. They're first in baseball and hits. Like, what are we even talking about right now? I just <laughs> couldn't. I mean, before the season started, I told you, I was like, I think the Diamondbacks will compete because of the pitching, but the lineup is awful. You you agreed with me, and here we are in April, and most hits in baseball. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, cannot believe it. Adam Jones is playing like he's 26. 
Uh, Christian Walker is just an absolute monster. David Peralta is a monster. I mean, these guys are hitting, so we'll, we'll see if they can keep it up. Um, who you got coming in at number nine? So, yeah, to piggyback that, my number nine team was the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I just had to get them in the top ten, and it's to the point you said, we're not projecting the future. We're just going off the month of April, and they were one of the best ten teams in baseball in the month of April. Um, The hits are what stood out to me, man. I just – I can't believe their lineup has performed the way it has. I don't think it's sustainable. We'll see. But, yeah, that jumped off the page to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, we we already talked about them. Coming at nine for me, the Chicago Cubs. um, uh, Two things I looked at, I mean, in general, were just how they played to end the month and the run differential. They're seven and three in their last ten, just like the D-backs, and they have a plus 27 run differential. They're starting to look – like the Cubs of old somewhat. Um, and I think their projections are actually going to be significantly higher than the D-backs. And I think the Cubs are going to start playing really good baseball going forward. I'm um, 100% with you. Um, I had the Cubs just missing my top 10. I actually have them at 11. Um, and the reason being was just a slow start. But like you said, they project way better than I think Seattle or Arizona, who were my 9 and 10 for the future. But another, they get Addison Russell back this Friday, and it's going to be – well, I don't know exactly what their plan is now that Javi's been at short and been phenomenal there. But Addison Russell on that World Series run was a huge part of that team. And, you know, whether – no matter what you want to say about the person or the things he's done, he's a big-time player. So I think that's a huge gain for the Cubs in terms of just on-the-field play. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. Um you know, off the field, I don't really care for him. But on the field, he's still he's still a good player. Um, let's move on to number eight. I have your Philadelphia Phillies. Interesting. I also have my Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, what is the reason you have them at eight? <laughs> I have them at eight because of the record. And I'll put that – they're 16 and 13 right now. But the fact of the matter is none of the numbers they've put up kind of suggest they'd be a winning baseball team to this point in the year. Um, They're middle of the pack in almost every category between hitting and pitching, but that that's why they're in at eight for me. It's because they're still yet to play close to their best baseball and they still have one of the 10 best records in the league. So I think not only a little bit projecting forward on my part, maybe, but I think the fact that they're still able to win games by even though they're not playing their best, kind of shows the uh, the strength and the fortitude of that team. Yeah, um, I similarly have them at eight for those reasons. Uh, I mean, they're at top of the NL East. Um, Got to give a d- division leader in the top ten, in, just in my opinion, um, especially with the parity in the NL East. Um, they're all kind of just beating up on each other, and the Phillies have somehow come up, uh, come out on top uh, throughout April. So they're plus 12 run differential, um, you know, that, that kind of bumps them up over the, the edge right there. Um, comparatively speaking to the Mets, who have a minus 19, the Braves only have a plus four, Nats minus two, and the Marlins are just you know, the Marlins. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Phillies, they're, they're playing well enough to be on top of the NL East, um, which is a tough division this year. And, uh, yeah, that's why they're in my top ten. Um, let's move on to seven. Who you got at seven? So seven, I got the Brew Crew. Um, you know, I think that this might be up and down the best lineup in the National League. Uh, I'm not. I don't know that I'm willing to say that quite yet because of what a few of the other teams are doing early. But based on last year and what they've done early in the year this year, I really think the consistency the Brewers bring is important. Um, you know, second in home runs right now in the league. They have the reigning MVP playing in the outfield for them. The pitching has been okay, you know, but it's it's been better than what we saw in the playoffs last year. Um, so I still think the Brewers not only project to be at the top of the NL Central later in the year, but they're there now. Um, they've played a pretty t- tough schedule early in the year, still coming out on top and winning games. So I like what the Brewers have done uh, early on in this year. I got them in at seven. Yeah, so uh, you, you actually made very good arguments. I left the Brewers out of my top ten um, just because they're pitching so far. Um, I mean, you know, if you have a negative run differential, that means a lot for me. 
So I'll, I'll, I'll have them at 11 right now, but I think in two weeks they, they could easily be like number six. <laughs> like, yeah, no, know, exactly. Just with their lineup. Um, that seven for me, I actually have a team you put at 10. I have the Mariners. Um, I think their hot start is, is something that you have to recognize and, um, and respect. So I have them at seven. They're 18 to 14, uh, a plus 13 run differential, um, swinging the bats very well. So um, I, do I think the Mariners are going to fall? I, I actually absolutely do think they're going to fall. But right now, um, they're seven for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, we have to assume they're going to fall. There's no way you just dump a roster in kind of a rebuild, retool season and just come out here and blow the doors off everyone. I just, especially in the ALS where teams are, you know, you have Houston, Oakland, Texas is competing. It's just, it's going to be too tough for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Number six, who you got? I got the New York Yankees in at number six, and you know I I probably should have them higher because they've been able to put this record up with battling through all the injuries and doing it with young guys. Um, but the reason I don't have them higher is because their everyday guys aren't out there, and it's hard for me to really, you know, determine whether or not the team I'm going to be seeing in October is the one that's playing that's going to be able to play to this level. Uh, obviously, I think they will. But I just think I've seen more from some other teams uh, than I've been able to from the Yankees. That being said, though, pitching's been good. Um, they're doing enough with the limited bats they have to put runs across the board. Um, so I think to be able to go through the trials and tribulations of the injuries early in the season and put up a record like they have, to, to be better than the Red Sox to this juncture, I mean – that's a testament to them. So I got the Yankees in at six. Yeah, I actually also have the Yankees at six, pretty much for the exact reasons you just mentioned. Um, they're playing well without their top guys. And, and will they be higher? Yeah, I actually think they're a top three team in baseball. Um, but right now they're at six because their record is a little less than a couple of teams ahead of them. Um, and obviously, I mean, they're projected to be, to be a great team this year. I mean, their run differential, even with – you know, the team that they have been putting out there is, is great. Plus 35. I mean, you mm-hmm. really can't complain about it as a Yankees fan. Like who cares who's in your lineup? They're winning. Yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of, it's baffling the, the run differential and to see how well they've played with the guys. They've, it's a makeshift lineup. That's what it is. They're really just trying to feel the team at this point and it's working out. So like, yeah, like you said, it doesn't matter who's on the field. If, is your team winning? They are. Be happy with it, man. Enjoy, enjoy them while you have them. They're, those kids came up through the organization. They're, they're as much a part of the organization as anyone else, and they're working their tail off to put wins on the board. So good for those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to our top five, who you have to, to round it out? At number five, I got the Minnesota Twins. Um, and that, that lineup is just it's phenomenal. Um, I think that they have talent up and down that lineup. You can't pitch around really anyone in that order because everyone has an ability to put the ball in the stands. Um, I think Marwin Gonzalez is a guy who coming off the bench for them, being able to play any position is a huge help for the everyday game. Nelson Cruz is the perfect veteran to just fit in the middle of that lineup. Um, Jose Barrios looks like a Cy Young candidate early on. The guy is phenomenal. Uh, you know, he might be one of the five best pitchers in the game by the time we reach the end of the season. So Minnesota's number five for me. Minnesota might be higher at the end of next month too. Yeah, so for me at five, I actually have the Astros. Um, I know they're leading the AL West and they're playing really good baseball. Um, But uh, I just couldn't put them over the Twins, who I have at four. Okay. I, I, hey, I, I don't, uh, I don't hate that pick at all. I, like I said, I think, I just don't know if the numbers were there for me to put the Twins higher, but I'm with you, man. The Twins have looked nothing short of phenomenal early. I mean, they went out, they went for it this off season, and it's paying off huge dividends. It's paying off. They're ahead of Cleveland right now, barely, but with Cleveland's offense performing the way it did early and projecting kind of similar throughout the year. 
Minnesota might be at the top of these power rankings all year. Oh, I, I agree. I, I just don't think – the reason I have the Twins a little bit higher is because I think the they're going to win a division um, in the Central, and they're going to beat up on the rest of the, their division because it's weaker. Um, the Astros, I mean, they're obviously going to be playing really well throughout the year, and I feel like they will eventually be, you know, top three, top four. Um, but right now, I mean, I just think the Twins – are significantly better than their counterpart at, at number two in their division. So I, I got to give them the edge. I can get behind that. I um, I agree with you. I think they're significantly better than Cleveland. And me and you had said that before the year. A lot of people were kind of bullish to say so. But when you look at those two lineups, they're not even really comparable. Minnesota's just head and shoulders better than Cleveland. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, who do you have coming in at, in at four? At four, I got the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they're another team I think is going to be here all year. I love the bullpen. I love John Gann. I love Jordan Hicks. Um, I think they're probably one of the most consistent lineups in the game in terms of you know what you're getting out of the guys you have every single day. Um, veteran leadership, Matt Carpenter, been there forever. Uh, bringing Goldschmidt over has been huge for them. He's just uh, – he's a perfect – like he he don't get me wrong Goldschmidt doesn't necessarily always get off to the best starts he slumps sometimes but he's just that thumper in the middle of your order he's a perfect fit for St. Louis he was a guy they needed so I think they're at four and they might sit at four just like Minnesota I think those two teams sitting at four and five all year is it's, it's quite possible it'll happen yeah so um I actually have the Cardinals at three um, ahead of the Twins and the Astros. I mean, just the way they're playing baseball right now. 9-1 in their last 10, uh, plus 32 run differential for the year. Um, I mean, they just look really freaking good. Um, Harrison Bader's playing well. Paul DeYoung's playing well. Martinez. Um, they're getting great pitching from Wainwright. And, um, I mean, their bullpen with Hicks and, and Gant. I mean, they just look like a legitimate contender this season. Yeah, and the the starting pitching with uh, our boy Miles, Flaherty, I mean, these are guys that are just going to keep improving too. Um, Wainwright's shown early that he's still got some left in, in the tank. So I think St. Louis, what, they, what they've given you so far this year is what you're going to get throughout the entire year. Um, Paul DeYoung might be – that's a guy – like when you have a thumper at shortstop like that, it's a perfect guy to put in that. He fits the mold of that lineup so well. Harrison Bader does everything. Like you alluded to, he's just – the speed he brings to the lineup is another element. Carpenter's ability to just spray the ball all over the field. The Cardinals can do it all, man. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals might just need one more piece. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I just feel like if they want to win the NL pennant, they got to do one more thing better than the Dodgers, who I have a number two. <laughs> Oh, okay. So oh, you got I the. Skipped, I skipped your three. I apologize. Yeah, but to kind of my three is Houston. So we went over it, and we kind of have intertwined at three, four, five: St. Louis, Houston, Minnesota. So look, throw it in any order. I think those teams have all kind of played to a similar level this year too. So you know, throughout the first month, not much separation between the teams. My whole thing is, I just think Houston has more talent than both of them um and maybe not in terms of depth but high-end talent with Bregman Altuve uh Springer the guys they have at the top of the team but they're first in team batting average right now and they're gonna do it throughout the year they've done it the last few years their ability to hit matched with Cole Verlander and everyone they've gotten the out uh from the rotation and in the bullpen I just think Houston's a complete team so that's why I got them at three Okay, yeah. I mean, I would have to agree. I think Houston actually might have the best roster in baseball. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, in a week, I, I'll literally be like, they're, they're number one. But <laughs> uh, just, you know, right now, I, I can't have them there um, with the way these two teams are playing that we're about to mention. Um, who do you have at two and one? What's, what's your order right there? So, me and you are going to differ here. Uh, at two, I got Tampa. Um, you know, Best team ERA in baseball. The pitching, they have the best pitching in baseball. It's just hand, or starting pitching. Or 
Actually, if you want to go total, I'll go that far too. I just think they have the best pitching in baseball, man. Um, their lineup's been fantastic so far, but you know the consistency you're getting from that rotation throughout the year. And now that glass now has emerged, they every single day they go out and play, they're getting they they have a chance to win. There's not a soft spot in the rotation for a team to go uh, to come up and put up runs against them. So I think. What they've done in April has put them in prime position to win the AL East this year, to really make a run deep into the playoffs. That pitching sets up prime for October baseball. I think Tampa's, you know, I have them at two for our power rankings for the month of April, but I think they're one of the five best teams in baseball right now. I, I They've shown me a lot through that first month. I'm willing to say that they've, uh, they've solidified themselves up there. Yeah, I, I, would, I mean, I would have to agree. Uh, the Rays pitching is just, it's incredible. I mean, literally every single pitcher on their roster, when they go out onto the mound, I'm like, they're going to get three outs. Like, there's no doubt about it. With you know, They're going to get three outs without allowing a run. And obviously that's, that's not possible <laughs> every single time. But, I mean, they've shown that. I mean, they're willing to throw out anybody in the ninth inning, too. It's like, oh. It's Chaz Rose Day, or it's Emilio Pagan's Day to close the game, or Diego Castillo, Jose Alvarado. It's like they have four guys that they're willing to throw out in the eighth and ninth innings. Like, not many teams have that capability. I think the whole team kind of has that mentality, too. Like, not necessarily next man up, but like everyone can kind of fit the role or come up big or come up clutch. Like, they, they rely on every single player on the team, they're not just relying on one or two stars or a high-end pitcher or a Chapman coming out of the bullpen or whatever it might be. They rely on everyone. And that kind of – that team mentality, there's something to that. We've, we've spoken about this. There's just something to having a team that's built the way they are. So I think the camaraderie they have, um, like you said, just anyone going out there in any given moment with an, get, getting the opportunity for management, um, you know, their teammates willing to back them up and support them through it all. This is the stuff that when October comes and you're in a jam and you don't know who to go to, these guys are all, they're all going to have been through those situations throughout the course of the regular season. Now, I mean, they're just shaping up to be a prime time playoff team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've only allowed 88 runs so far. That's just incredible. Yeah, It's outrageous. Absolutely incredible. Um, so I have them at one. Um, but I really do think one and two could be easily interchangeable with the L.A. Dodgers. Um, I actually had a tough time, like, you know, putting them one and two. Um, I just put the Rays one because they're my squad. But um, and they have the best run differential in all baseball. But the Dodgers, man, they're something else. Yeah. And hold on. Before we get off of this, we just need to uh, allude to the fact that the Rays have only allowed 18 more runs than the Orioles have allowed home runs. But anyway, back back to this. Um, yeah, I just think the Dodgers are the deepest team in baseball. I think that they have the best roster. Uh, me and you talked about it in getting rid of Puig and Kemp and allowing some of these other guys to play, bringing in Pollock. Um, catching is just uh, shockingly almost been an upgrade from Grandall early in the year. Uh, the pitching's fantastic. I mean, they just do everything well, much like Tampa does. My only... The difference for me between the Dodgers and Tampa is just the established bats the Dodgers have in the lineup. When I when you read the everyday lineups, there's just I've seen more consistency and gotten more consistency from the guys in the Dodgers lineup than I have from the guys on the Rays lineup over the course of, you know, the past few seasons. Now obviously it's a new year and things change, but for me right now, I just think the Dodgers have the best foundation, the deepest team in baseball. So that's why I got them at one. Yeah. I, and the best and the best record. Yeah, I, I do think, um, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, there's something else, man. I I mean, Justin Turner didn't hit his first home run until last night. And they have a 20-12 and 12 record. Um, can you imagine <laughs> when Justin Turner starts turning it up? Uh, it, it's it's They're, they're literally going to be unbeatable, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I just – there's no there's no soft spot in the order. It's going to be tough to put up runs on them on a nightly basis. And the the thing with the team like the Dodgers is with like the TV deal they have that's outrageous money. Like they have to compete and win. They have to put a product on the field. So they're going to go for it at the deadline. They're not going to sit back and just say, 
uh, this is all right. We've played well to this point in the year. This is what we're running with. They're going to try to upgrade the bullpen. They're going to try to upgrade wherever they can. So as much as we've seen them play great early, this might not even be the best version of Dodgers baseball we get this year. And and that's insane to, to even say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I had, I had a hard time getting myself to want to say that out loud, but look, I just, when, when you look at that bullpen, you look at the starting pitching, you look at the lineup and you say, you re- it's really hard to think that they might be able to improve it. But the fact of the matter is like with a guy like Castellanos on the market that you could bring in or a pitcher like a Marcus Stroman or, you know, an Aaron Sanchez who you could even make the long man out of your bullpen. Like there's options for this team to go out and get better. And I think they're going to do it. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if a blue Jay ends up on their roster by the end of the year. That's, that's, that's my, my take on it. I think they're going to get either, like you said, Stroman or Sanchez, um, maybe even a Justin Smoke bat in the lineup that a switch yeah, here that can play. I was going to say a Smoke, even a Randall Gritchick is a guy they could bring in. Yeah. So um, anyway, the uh, that rounds out our power rankings um, and our April recap for the MLB season. Um, we touched upon Vlad Jr., the O's being the worst team in baseball, a couple of. <laughs> In baseball history. Baseball history, possibly. Uh, you know, we touch upon our pitchers and players of the months and our power rankings. So that concludes our podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at PlaySneaky. Um, please follow at JokerMagHQ on Twitter as well for some great stories. I put out a piece on Julio Urias last week that got uh, picked up by MLB Trade Rumors. So uh, we got some good stuff coming out and uh, you don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to the Sneaky Place podcast presented by JokerMag.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Twitter at PlaySneaky.